Case 28, long have we heard of Long Tan. Once when Deshan was getting instructions from Long Tan, he stayed on into the night. Long Tan said, it's late, why don't you go? Deshan said goodbye and lifted up the curtain to go. He saw that it was dark outside. So he turned back and said, it is dark outside. Rowdy, you're muted. I don't know who did that because <coughs> I unmuted myself a little while ago. Well, I muted everyone when we sat. Uh, well, I don't see that it's muted. I, I just have to look for the whatever okay. for the microphone. Long done, then lit a paper lantern with a candle inside and handed it to Deshan. As Deshan was about to take it, Longtan blew the candle out. At that moment, Deshan suddenly had an insight. He then bowed to Longtan, who said, what principle have you seen? Deshan said, from this day onward, forward, I will no longer doubt your words. The next day, Longtang went up to the teaching hall and said, among you, there's a fellow with teeth like swords and a mouth like a bowl full of blood. Strike him a blow and he shall never turn back. In the future, he will go to the summit of a solitary peak <coughs> and establish our path there. think it's Lori. Lori. Uh, and she's uh, got, yeah. Deshan then went in front of the teaching hall with all of his commentaries and annotations on the Diamond Sutra. Holding up a torch, he exclaimed, exhausting all the sublime theories is nothing more than placing a single hair in the vastness of space. Investigating the workings of the world is like throwing a single drop of water into a great abyss. He then burned his commentaries and annotations, paid homage to Long Tom, and bid farewell. Nancy? Is it Nancy? Yes. <laughs> Women's come in before they shun passed through the barrier. His heart had been burning with zeal and his tongue was very sharp. He troubled South with the intent to wipe out his special transmission outside the spiritual teachings. When he reached Li Shao, he told an old woman selling refreshments by the road that he wanted to buy some dessert to eat. The old woman asked him, what are those writings that you have in your cart, virtuous one? Deshan said, that's my commentary and annotation on the Diamond Sutra. The old woman said, ah, doesn't it say in the Diamond Sutra that the past mind cannot be found, the present mind cannot be found, and the future mind cannot be found? Which mind do you wish to refresh, virtuous one? When Deshan heard this question, his mouth remained shut unable to answer. Yet he was still unwilling to die under the old woman's words. He asked her, are there any Chan teachers around here? The old woman said, yes, about five miles from here lives Chan Master Long Tan. 
When Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Crowdy. I, I, your, your turn. When Deshan got to Long Tan, he was a defeated man. We could say that his former words did not match his later sayings. Long Tan was like a mother who, out of love, does not perceive the ugliness of her child. When Long Tan saw that Deshan still had a bit of life coal left in him, he doused him over the head with dirty water, putting it out completely. Examining this story impartially, it is rather funny. It is better to see him face to face than to hear of fame. Yet seeing him face to face is not better than hearing of his fame. Even though Long Tan saved Deshaun's nose, he blinded his eyes. So now we'll um, sit for five minutes again. Okay, well, I guess we can stop and have a little chat before we go to um, Grogu's comment. Um, what'd y'all think of this one? It's great. I think uh, I kind of get the idea because I was quite similar. <laughs> because what? I didn't get that. No, I mean that I was similar as I, I try to learn a lot from books and I try to get a lot of information from outside and I, yeah, everything is just others' knowledge, not mine, <laughs> like Deshan's case. And he was so lucky that he met Long Tan, who showed him that, look back inside yourself, there's a lamb. <laughs> You don't need to depend on the lamp of other people. Nor a light, an external light. Yeah, no, there's no light. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that, Nancy, the, uh, um, the visual of the light within instead of the, you know, the, the light you think you need <laughs> to see. Yeah. What about the role of the old woman? Can you hear me? Yes. yes. Yeah. What do you think of that, Trouty? Well, I was thinking, I cannot remember now, the, uh, the woman in the hut. <laughs> 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 I forget now the poem uh, that we used to read. What it was called the hidden lamp one of the stories in the I hidden lamp i don't think so I, oh okay it was oh, taysan it was telling people where to go mm, no it was uh, <laughs> a monk well I, I don't know that one but a monk uh, would come um to a place, probably a fairly remote place, 
and uh, there was an older woman and uh, um, you know she permitted him that he can stay in a hut on on top of the hill near her place and she kept sending her young daughter or granddaughter this food um, sort of to uh, seduce the, the the monk sitting there or get him out of his uh, set set up path. Is so, what? Set up path. Set up path. Yeah, sorry. Probably gets distorted. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to remember that too, Trouty. Yeah. Well, it was a few years ago, and I, I don't know. So, but that's not the only story. That there's some other old women that uh, are surprising, and uh, you know, have something to say that actually jostled them. But so my question is, why didn't he sit with it? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that just came out of me. But then he went back to his teacher when he already said goodbye. That surprises me. I, I'm no, not. I, 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 I heard that differently. Yeah. Hmm. Did, did, did you, Donna, hear it differently? Uh, this is, I had never heard Long Tons and the, the, the rice cake lady stories put together, but it makes sense. But I think that he went to Long Ton after um, his encounter with the, the rice cake lady. Um, yes, yes, yes. Um, so, and, and before that he had been uh, apparently, I've, I've forgotten how they described it. Yeah, he was trying to wipe out the special transmission outside the scripture teachings. So, you know, he was obviously a Zen person, I guess, to, to some degree, because he spent all this time on the Diamond Sutra. But um, I, don't, I, I don't think he met Long Tan until after his encounter with the rice cake lady. And the other story you were talking oh. about, um, about the monk, the, the old woman who tested uh, the monk she had been feeding and found him totally lacking in any human human feelings exactly. That, that's one of my favorites and that that is a story in the hidden lamp among others but that's oh, a, is it? I think where I first saw it but I mean both you know I Lord love these, these old Zen ladies <laughs> yeah it, it seems like they're the enlightened ones and then the seeker just overlooks them you know, he kind of overlooks mm -hmm. them. Exactly, but, exactly, um, exactly. And, and yet this woman actually stopped him. She gave him a question that he couldn't answer. And it, it set him back, but he still couldn't let go of intellectualizing mm -hmm. or trying to understand. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. he had to go to Long Ten, who then blew out the candle, you know? <laughs> and then it was like, oh, Oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I really like the old ladies, too. He was kind of using his poison.
So what about the coal? I don't get that. The what? C-O-A-L, coal, because at the end of woman's comment. Did, did we read that already? I guess we did. When, when Long Tam saw that Deshaun still had a bit of live coal left in him. Now live coal would be um, still hot, like red, right? Yeah. Right. yeah. His intellect, him, so his he was, go on. His intellectual fire. He was still counting on the fire from his intellectualization of practice. Oh, okay. Like the dragon, you know. Yeah. I mean, it. that's how I read it. Yeah. I, I'd like to interject something that's way, probably way off base. I'm sure it is. Since you've already gone a wonderful path here. <laughs> but I, I couldn't help making a connection between the, the, the darkness and the light, you know? And so I, I, what came to mind was that merging um, of difference and unity. And there's a section about uh, light and dark are relative. Yeah. Um, noble and base are only names of speaking. Right and light, there's darkness, but don't confront it as darkness. Right and darkness, there is light, but don't see it as light. Light and dark are relative to each other, like forward and backward steps. It goes on for a little bit, but the end is, if you don't understand the path as it meets your eyes, where is it? It comes to the same, kind of the same conclusion. Uh, how can you know the way as you walk? Progress is not a matter of near or far, but if you are concerned, confused, mountains and rivers block the way. I humbly so, say to those who study the mystery, don't waste time. Anyway. So do you see, I never thought of that, but I, I it, it would make sense that Darkness is not understanding and light is understanding or enlightenment. Hmm. Is that what you're kind of suggesting, Lori? Well, no, not necessarily. Just that, um, I guess that's what it could be. But in any case, it's the fact that if you're not understanding what you're, what you're doing right now, you, it's kind of more along the line of what Nancy was saying that it's... Um, well, that's actually different. But anyway, um, that you, you, um, you see it, you, you get confused because you don't know what you're looking at because of the darkness. Lauren, what, I, what, I heard, what I heard you, what felt like to me when you were talking was that you were saying Long Tom was trying to show Deshaun that there was no difference between the light and the dark. Right, that, that's that right. That Deshaun was so focused on being enlightened mm-hmm. by by making all these annotations and these you know writing down all of his notes about the scriptures but I, it felt to me like what long Tan was telling him was you're looking in this one direction and you think that's where the light is the light mm-hmm. but the light is the light doesn't matter whether it's dark well yeah that's that's kind of kind of it, kind of what it's saying here. Um, so it, and also there's, a, it's all things have their own function. It's a matter of use in the appropriate situation. So this yeah. again, the candle. You know, do you need a candle? And being able to see in the dark. And to see in the dark, you turn off the lights because you can't see with the light on. Anyway, that was my circuitous thought pattern. Lovely. I mean, I'm yeah. sitting here and also. 
realizing that the irony of darkness actually creates light in this situation, that the turning out of the candle brought forth the light of awakening. Mm -hmm. and so you didn't really need intellectual or even physical light. You needed another light and everything else could be dark and you'd still have the light of awakening to guide you, so. Paula Darcy said years ago um, that even the darkness is held by the light. And I have always um, thought that was one of the most profound things I ever heard about mm. searching for light. Mm. It's, yeah. This, this, you know, that we're talking about and what I knew, what we just read reminded me of uh, listening to uh, a teacher say recently, um, you know, if, if we all truly, truly let go of trying to understand of just surrendering the whole project, you know, and just truly let go into the present moment. He says, now that's revelatory because we always keep a little piece of the mind trying to, you know, cognizize it or, or, or describe it or, or you yeah. know, help us. And he said, so in part of the meditation that we did when he said this, he said, just imagine that there was nothing to know. I mean, I mean, if you really surrender to that, what would that feel like? And he got very still and then I kind of felt it. And then he goes, and then surrender even more that you don't know. And he did it three times and each time you felt like you were sinking to some mystery that couldn't be explained. It, you know, it was really interesting. Um, so that's what this was reminding me of, um, you know, with Deshaun and his writing and annotations and looking at the sutra and, you know, trying to figure it out. He was being asked to surrender in that way uh, by his teacher, Long Khan, you know, in a way. So that's, that's what I was feeling when I was reading it. You know, I was remembering that. I mean, really think about it. What if you, what if we really did just stop? You know, keep hearing the teaching stop. How many of us actually really stop? I haven't been able to. <laughs> so in the end of the little verse of Wu Min's, it talks about save the nose, but blinded the eyes. And I can see that eyes see something outside of oneself. And so does the nose, though. Not seeing, smells outside. Well, is there, is there a difference? I mean, obviously, the nose smells and the eye see, but... But the nose is connected to breath. And that's, that's I don't know, of course. So when I read nose, I'm like, that's the focus on breath in our practice. Breath, nose symbolized to me present moment, this breath. What the nose, what the nose smells is, the nose doesn't smell something out there. It smells things that are in the nose, and I don't know if that means anything. But do you know what I mean? 
they've um, they've internalized. You, so what I'm saying, Kim, is different than that. In that, well, it's a little bit the same. In that, the it, breath oh, is the breath is is uh, within us, not out there. We're the ones who breathe. We breathe our own. We breathe the breath. I mean, we take it in, and then we take it out. But it's internal, like the like the smell. Isn't that, isn't that funny? Because my meditation is right here, yeah. <laughs> right here, and so that's why I guess that's why I connect breath with nose. Oh, okay. That is my focal point, right? Yeah, I, I've done that a lot too. Yeah, that out there. So I just I'd I like to like make that, them, I, oh, well, it, it is. Where, do, where do you stop? I said I like it. right there. I, I like the idea. <laughs> I feel it there, yeah. and I feel it there coming out, and that's all. That's it. That's all that exists right there. I once asked this uh, teacher uh, who had us meditating with really focusing on that area, and I said, "So, what do you feel?" He went on for a half an hour. It was so incredible. Wow. With with all that he felt, it was really, really something. Wow. So I want to add my two cents. Okay. I didn't even connect with any of the words. It's the funniest thing. It's the first time in 28 cases. This feels like the most amazingly loving of the colons we've read. And I can't tell you mm. what, what made the difference. And I, I even thought, well, this is a translation into English. And I always remember a minister telling me when I couldn't get the Bible, that watching, reading the Bible in English was like watching a spring flower garden grow in black and white. And so I imagine that in reading these words in black and white, we've missed a lot from the original and a lot from the Zen. But despite all that, what I'm left with is just this incredible amount of love. That's that's all. That was it. I, it was amazing. To I, just... I, I agree, Nelda. And for me, it was that part where uh, Wu Min is saying that Deshaun was a defeated man, but still Long Tan was like a mother who out of love doesn't perceive mm -hmm. the ugliness of Oh, that's what I felt that too. Just such overwhelming compassion for this other human being that was suffering. Really struggling and had been dealt a, an almost death blow by the old woman, but not <laughs> quite. <laughs> oh, but, but don't uh, you think she was, that was about love also? I mean, she wanted to, she didn't want to hurt him. She wanted to do what would be best for him. She, she wanted... was just pointing out that there were limits to what he could know. From, from <laughs> you know, the you know, from the Diamond Sutra. You yeah, you know that he was trying. He was just trying too hard. Um, what do you guys think about going on? Are you ready to go with Guogu? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, um, we were doing alphabetical, but let's continue on with Kim and then go through and start the alphabet over. Uh, Deshaun is 
John Jian. How, how do I say that? Anyone can help? Juan? Jona. Is it X like a SH or what? It's like Juan Jian, I think. Juan John? Juan Jian. Is the main protagonist here. In case 13, I introduced him and talked about how he came to study with Chan Master Long Tom. <laughs> In the present case, we see how he realized awakening under Long Tom. When they first met, Don Shan tried to show off his understanding, saying, mm -hmm. I've traveled from afar and recently heard great things for about Dragon's Pond, which is the meaning of the word Long Tam. Now that I'm here, I see neither dragon nor pond. Long Tan, great master that he was, responded, don't come around here showing off, saying there are no objects to be seen, no seer, no dragon, no pond. Here I am, and there, there you are. Dreshan had nothing to say. Dreshan usually had lots to say. He was an intellectual. Fortunately, he met Long Tan, who cut through his proclivities. One evening, Deshan thrust his questions at Long Tan and continued long into the night. Long Tan did not give him answers, but eventually said, it's late, you should go now. After pouring out all of his doubts, his worries, his sense of wonderment, and receiving no answer, still Dong Shan respected Long Tan's wish. He bowed and opened the bamboo door, ready to go back to his quarters. He looked out and said, it's dark out. Long Tan took this opportunity and handed him a lit candle inside a paper lantern. But just when Deshan reached out for it, he blew it out. Deshan at this moment had a glimpse of awakening. Long Tan asked for verification. What did you see? Deshan bowed and said that he would never doubt Long Tan's words again, as he had seen the truth of Chan and his mind. Long Tan's task was over. The rest was up to Deshan to refine his practice. That is why when Long Tan praised him the next day in front of everyone, Deshan decided to leave and go on his own. He had no more doubt. He just needed to refine and nourish what he had learned. As predicted by Long Tan, Deshan indeed became one of the great luminaries of the Chan tradition. Long Tan saw that Deshan's conundrum, all of his questions that were out one after the other late into the night, had created a red opportunity. Had Long Tan given him the answers, which could have been from a conceptual point of view, all of Deshan's power could have been defeated diffused and rendered useless. When a person's life questions collapse into a single existential why? When the practitioner reaches a state of unification, when the mind is engulfed in the sense of wonderment, that is indeed a wonderful occasion. All the master had to do was to shatter that wonderment leaving the person completely open to what is right here and now in that state free from grasping. Mm -hmm. This strategy of inducing awakening is called taking away the object and leaving the, per the person. Mm -hmm. 
My own teacher, Master Sheng Yen's initial awakening happened in this way. In 1949, during the communist takeover of mainland China, the only way he could escape from China was to join the KMT Youth Army. He was 18 years old at that time. Monks who had money would pay for a boat to escape to Taiwan or to some other place such as Singapore or Malaysia. Since my teacher and his seminary friends were poor young monks, they all joined the youth army. They were promised that they could return to mainland China and win back their nation from the communists. Needless to say, that never happened. Thus, he was stuck in the army in Taiwan. He worked as a telegrapher, but wasn't allowed to resign or get out for 10 long years. Mm. During the whole time, he studied and practiced like a monk, but without a teacher. With the many answers that came up in his mind, he developed his own great sense of questioning and wonderment. He reached a point where he could no longer work and he was relieved of his duties. A former monk, he went straight to visit monasteries. Since some of the monks knew him, he would place his bed on the platform along with theirs. At one monastery he visited, he was fortunate enough one night to be placed next to another visiting monk, Chang Master Ningguan, a disciple of famed Master Zhuyun. Master Ningguan did not sleep lying down, but sitting up in meditation. My teacher thought this was a great opportunity to ask him many questions. <laughs> Well, I'm really confused about these dates. Are these, these almost like living people? Yeah. They are. They are. I didn't realize that. That's yeah. that movie we saw, or maybe you right. didn't. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And that night he did. Master Lingguan just listened and kept on saying any more without answering any of them. Ching Yin poured out. <laughs> all the questions he had accumulated for so long. The more he asked, the more he got himself into a knot. <laughs> he realized that Ling Wan wasn't answering any of his questions. At that moment, Ling Wan saw that my teacher was in the state of full wonderment. He slammed the wooden pl platform loudly and yelled, put it down. Who the hell is asking these questions? <laughs> Suddenly, all of my teacher's questions vanished, everything, including his sense of self flushed out of him. He was now completely clear, open, without anything left. Sometime later, Ling Wan gave Master Sheng Yin Dharma transmission, the responsibility of passing down the Chan teaching. If something like this were to happen to you outside of that context, if you were to continually ask, what is it? What is it? In that unified state of wonderment, and suddenly all of your doubts were smashed away, you would probably be scared half to death. It is all about timing and causes and conditions. Yeah. What brings you to the condition of awakening is the four prerequisites, sorry, to practice great conviction, great vow, great determination, and great doubt or questioning. Great conviction, 
means that you have confidence in yourself and in the efficacy of your method, as well as in your teacher and in the three jewels, Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. How do you rise to confidence in yourself? Not through arrogance, not through knowledge, as in since I am originally free, I can do whatever I want. That will not work because without real practice, you will still have vexations that will affect you and everyone around you. So you have to go through practice. But practice is not about getting rid of what you have. You simply need to see through all of your vexations and deluded thinking. It's like cleaning a room. Perhaps at the beginning you make the room cleaner so you can actually see the spaciousness of the room. But the bottom line is that it does not really matter whether the room is clean or dirty. Openness is always there. It's just that it is hard to see its nature when it is cluttered. Hmm. So Tan masters tell you to go through meditation practice, to use methods and so on. Having a method and knowing the Dharma are very important. You can have true confidence in yourself only when you actually practice the Dharma, when you use a method. You know, we just, um, the old woman knew the Diamond Sutra. You know what I mean? So uh, she was beyond it now, but she had learned that too. Because she quoted that, so she's not saying, this is not something you never read or that I never read. She's kind of gone beyond it, but also just like it's saying. Does that connect? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They do. You can have true confidence in yourself only when you actually practice the Dharma, when you use a method. This brings you face to face with the workings of your mind. For example, just by the simple exercise of following the breath, you see the mind traveling off all over the place. You see the mind being annoyed when there is physical pain. In other words, all of your self-referential mechanisms of cherishing and protecting the self are readily available for you to see right before you. So as you use and stay with a method in order not to be moved or pushed by any of these self-referential occurrences, your grasping and rejecting will slow down. Without projecting, exaggerating, or minimizing them, you will know your shortcomings and you will know your strengths. You will see them for what they are. You will see how your mind actually works, how your self produces itself moment to moment and manifests in all your activities. Coming face to face with this and still having a method to return to, you keep on going, keep on going, not swayed by those mind activities, but staying with the task at hand and becoming clear. This is how you develop confidence in yourself and conviction in the Dharma. Am I next? Through this training and discipline, you will naturally have confidence in your teacher, the person who has taught you your meditation and guides you. 
However, if you had faith before the teacher taught you the practice, then it is either a kind of blind faith or some projection you have of the teacher, because that kind of faith is not grounded in your practice. That's interesting. If, if you find <coughs> that the method your teacher gives you to guide you actually works, then you will have faith in the teacher. Your teacher represents the Sangha, which is part of the three jewels. You have <coughs> confidence in your teacher. Your having confidence in your teacher will lead you to conviction in the three jewels. So initially, the faith could be like almost like a negative thing because it wouldn't be uh, <coughs> based on something you had learned. They call it they call it bright faith. There's a book that um, oh what's it? Um, can't think of her name, but anyway, um, wrote and it's called faith, and she talks about the first level of faith, and it's where you you're all dewy eyed, and everything is wonderful and fascinating, and that whole thing, but it has no substance to it. And so you break through that by you start asking questions and asking, having some doubt in, in the process and hmm. so forth. And then you create, create faith, a faith in, in a actually, deeper faith. There's a difference maybe between infatuation and yeah, something yes, more solid. Kind of like that. There's something it's first has no real substance in the other ones. Well, it, it feels like, it feels like you, um, Salzburg. You believe it's Salzburg. possible. You, it's like you believe something is possible. And, you know, and I, when that happened for me, it was like a light bulb went off and I hadn't had gone to Appamata or read anything, but I heard something that struck a chord in me that made me believe it was possible, possible maybe to wake up in this lifetime not to suffer I didn't even know what all that meant but it you know it was like a possibility was there and then you know I went searching you know and found teachers and practices and things like that but that first but that possibility was there for me it was kind of like a grace thing actually so is this suggesting that you have to have, am I reading this correctly? If you find that the method your teacher gives you to God, you actually works, then you have faith in the teacher. So it seems to be saying that there's one person in which you need to focus this, what used to be infatuation and put it in a person. I, I'm, I'm unclear what this is saying. You know, he, he, he also uses the word confidence at the end of that paragraph. And to me, that's what he's really saying, that you will have confidence in your teacher, that your teacher will not steer you down the wrong path, that your teacher will give you true teachings. Which is why the and, monks and traveled from place to place to find someone with whom they felt they could or should, given their you know, propensities and their, and who they were, could yeah. study and learn the most. I, I think, right, I think you look for resonance. 
you know, it says here, if you're, you know, um, if you find a teacher who's, you know, leads you to a practice that seems to work. For me, what that meant was, oh, you know, I, I'm following this and there's a resonance in me. And, you know, it's, it's actually working. So you could say you have faith in the teacher or take faith in the practice. But what's happened is there's something in you that has risen up to kind of resonate with that teaching, you know? And um, so each of us is going to have that a different way. Some people might go devotion, you know, and, and, you know, go through Christian route. Other people come to Zen, you know, like I did, but um, you know, it's not the method that gets you there. It's sort of the resonance that it has in your own, um, in your own beingness, you know? Was that you that read that, Kim? Yes. Okay. Great vow means that you are not practicing for yourself, but for the benefit of others, for those around you. Why? Because everything you have, everything you are, comes from others. When you let go of yourself, your mind becomes less self-referential. Recognizing the pain and needs of others will inspire you to work hard to help them. Moment to moment, offer yourself. In doing so, you learn to use your body like a rag and your mind like a mirror. Everything becomes practice and obstacles nourish your life to make you stronger. If you are selfish, self-referential, no matter what you do, everything becomes difficult. Even if you try hard to pacify your mind through repentance, rituals, meditation, or scriptural study, none of these will pacify your heart. Dharma practice is not a selfish project. You practice not only for yourself, but for the sake of all beings. Most of the time, if not all of the time, you are of selfishness on the things that you say, on the actions that you do abruptly harming those around you. You possess things through this this false sense of self, this construct. The result of whatever is based on falsehood cannot be true. Your decisions, your judgments, your opinions about your friends and everything else in the world are based, you think, on something reliable, your ideas of things. When you practice this way, you hurt the people you love. When I talk about self-referentiality, I'm not referring, I am referring not simply to the selfish or greedy self, but also to something much deeper. A humble person can have a very strong self. Even a person who thinks of him or herself as not so good or someone who cannot do anything well, may have a very strong sense of self. Why? Because the person is attached to that self-image. So you need to practice for the sake of others. When you do, humility, gratitude, forgiveness, 
loving kindness, patience, generosity will all come to fruition. These will lessen self-grasping. Stephanie. Is great determination. This means being steadfast and enduring, and that at any time you're ready to let go of anything, even your life. In Chinese, great determination literally translates as ferocious zeal. It is great diligence in practice. People take shortcuts in life and in practice. That is not diligence. The whole world around us, mass media, technology, popular culture, social networks, builds on craving and desire. Without diligence, how will you free yourself from their influence? I do not mean you need to give up these things, but you must be diligent and careful about how you are living your life, how you are practicing. Are you perpetuating attachments or are you untangling them? This takes patience and steadfast practice. The fourth ingredient is great doubt or questioning. Doubt here does not mean suspicion. It means a sense of wonderment. Within the Chan context, wonderment is about our existential dilemma. Who am I? Am I just some synapses in the brain, some wires joining one part of the brain to the other? Am I my past, my experiences, my future hopes? Am I my family, my values? In turn, all of your life questions must collapse into the gongan or watu you are working on. All of the cases in the gateless barrier provide opportunities to free yourself. To do so, you have to take them up and investigate and relive the stories and make them your own. Of course, you must work under the guidance of a qualified teacher. You may practice because you want to prepare for the next phase of your life, which is death. You go to great lengths to engage in practice, to find meaning, to find yourself. You know that time is limited. It is not only people with gray hair who are aware of their imminent death. Anyone can die at any time. You must make good use of your time. On intense retreats, you can let everything drop off and focus on using your method. On the method, you exist on the brink of the present moment, here and now, not in the past or future. Bringing yourself to this condition where you live in the present naturally fulfills the four prerequisites of practice. This is why retreats are so precious. The point is, how do you live your life? In case two, I mentioned my teacher had a disciple who was a lay practitioner. He got terminal cancer, was in great pain and was hospitalized. It was uncertain how long he would live, but he was not there to suffer. He was the jolliest person on that hospital floor. A great bodhisattva. He helped the nurses, visited the sick on his floor, and made everyone cheerful. He lived in the moment, not for himself, but for all of those around him. 
He even introduced Chan meditation to nurses and patients. He passed away very peacefully. It is better to see him face to face than to hear of his fame. Yet seeing him face to face is not better than hearing of his fame. Even though Long Tan saved Deshan's nose, he blinded his eyes. Deshan had traveled long to finally meet Long Tan. Originally, he set out to the south to destroy Chan. But the old, old, I guess with all his um, notes too, but the old lady selling desserts reminded him of the most essential meaning of practice, to know your mind. So he sought out long time. Now I remember that this story was also in the hidden lamp, but from the viewpoint of the, the lady in the hut. And she made, Donna, you were there, right? He made, she made a lot of fun of him with his scripture. Deshan was, of course, awakened by the skillful means of Long Tan. In this sense, it was great to meet him face to face. But was it? Was it worth it to seek out someone who lived so far away? Wulin says it's a mistake to see him face to face. <laughs> who is it? you are trying to see anyway. When Deshan asked his many questions, Long Tan did not answer any of them. This pushed him into a corner in a state of great wonderment, puzzlement. So when Deshan reached for the lantern to light his way, Long Tan put it out. This caused Deshan's great awakening. His darkness was fully illuminated. Oh, I can read it if you like. There is much to do in your life and with so little time. I wish you the best on your journey, but in all that you do, where is your light? Hey, where indeed? That last paragraph reminded me of something and it had to have been something I read or heard during our practice. And that said that when the mind body, emotion body, physical body are perfectly matched with our, our precepts and the guidelines we follow, and we are where we need to be. And that's where the light is, is what I thought, you know. So I, I thought of all of that and thought when everything's in, in perfect alignment and there's nothing, you feel nothing but peace, then that must be where the light is. And how long do you think that lasts? Well, for me, a nanosecond most of the time. <laughs> and then my monkey mind or my physical body or my emotion body, you know, get all. But it's nice when you touch it, when you when it's lit even for a nanosecond because it illuminates enough to create a, an optimism that, that I'll get back there again and again for longer and longer. So that's good for me.
Well, what's next? I don't know. I think we're still discussing. <laughs> I um, I really kind of like the way um, he talks about we practice for for the whole. I didn't appreciate that initially, but there was a part of me uh, when I first wanted to go on this path and became so excited and like a fire lit. Um, it was sort of like, oh, maybe I can understand love. Maybe I can understand truth. Maybe I can awaken the way, you know, the great ones have. And it felt very, uh, what do you call it, selfish in an odd way. But there was a part of me that also felt, and this way, perhaps I'll be a loving influence on all the people that I cared about because I was coming from a lot of dysfunction, you know? And it was sort of like, um, nothing else has worked. Maybe this will, you know? I mean, there was, there was that little piece too, which also you could say was a little selfish, but at the same time, uh, what he's talking about, it was sort of that intention was in there, you know, to be a harmonious, loving presence that didn't cause harm. Because it seemed like no matter what I did, I was causing harm, you know? <laughs> so, you know, you know, I, I love how it, it could start out being very selfish, but um, I think the that which we really are inside is moving to to be that harmonious loving presence you know so yeah i'm curious just what that process is of of uh being less selfish <laughs> i had an idea well, I knew a very selfish person and I had this idea that if I just gave and gave and gave and gave, it would change that person. It, that didn't work. How scared they must have been. Right. Yeah. Codependent. It's so sad. And it's just so sad to hear that. Yeah. Well, it, it, you know, maybe now, now it's 50 years later, so maybe something happened. Yeah. You know, it's funny because he also talked in here about how uh, identification doesn't necessarily have to be like you're this fabulous, powerful, you know, intelligent person. It can also be, um, you can get your identification from um, being a victim or maybe the one who gives you know, <laughs> or, um, you know, it, 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 this, this um, identification thing is really tricky. It's amazing to me how many um, places I've found over these last years, 10 years, that I'm still clinging to some little bit of a me that's identified as a something. And each time one of those gets blown up, it's, doesn't feel good. Yeah. 
So let's just not confuse as my sweet mother and her confusion did self-care with selfishness. I just, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I think people do that all the time. Sometimes your selfishness just means you're not giving me everything I want. <laughs> Whereas it may be self-care. I think those are the hard, really hard, like nuanced lines to, to know from relationship or circumstance uh, moment to moment am i being in self-care am i being selfish am i being open-hearted or am i saying no i'm as important as this person who's asking something of me it's just it's a challenge i know for me it is it is it is nelda i i i used to be told i was selfish you know when i was very very young you know there were times when that was definitely like you're being selfish, you know, as a you know child. And mm. it was really hard for me to understand that I deserve happiness, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that it's okay for me to want to be happy, Do you know? It's, mm. uh... I, think, I think many of us in this group get it from what you've shared over time, so. It's nice to know that we understand that, yeah. Well, Stephanie and Gail, you were going to try to connect. Yeah, Stephanie. Did that work? No, we I haven't. Have I, Gail. I, yeah, I, um, we, I got here um, Monday night, last Monday night. And um, I was looking forward to seeing you, Stephanie, and I'm going to send you an email and maybe we'll, I hope we can connect. It's up to you. It's up to you. Oh, are you kidding? I'd love to see you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like I told you, I'd be happy to drive down there. It's up to you. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you, I'll send you a text. This first week we've been settling in, but. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Sounds great. No pressure. Like I said, it's up to you. I know you guys have things you're trying to get done. Well, um, my husband's trying to get done. Um, I'm, I'm just um, helping out and enjoying myself seeing, you know, friends and you, I hope we're going to be here a few weeks. Good. Great, great. Because we're moving into the new house uh, this next weekend. Oh, Mm. That's exciting. Did did they buy a house? Yes, yes. And uh, we're moving in. Uh, Yeah, they bought it uh, about four or five weeks ago. And repairs were being done. And um, it will be ready day after tomorrow. And so we'll make the move this next weekend. Woohoo! Do you get get your own special space then for a while? Um, No, it'll be just this. I'll have a, a little room. So... Yeah, I'm definitely ready to come home. <laughs> ready to come home. How much longer, Stephanie, are you going to be out here? Um, some of that depends on Anne. If she wants to stay through June, then oh. it'll be until the end of June. Mm. So I'm kind of just playing it by ear. Well, we it'll can't be good wait. to see you. Yeah. We miss you. Yeah. Thank you. I miss seeing you guys. I really do. 
I talked with Peg today and it was, it was so emotional. Um, yeah. Even though she's not there, <laughs> there is a, there is a sense of, you know, this is part of my practice. Um, Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah. Or, or that, or that it's sort of like your home, your spiritual home, and that's Peg very kind much. of repre- represents that. Yeah. Yeah. She was at meditation this morning. Yeah. Was she right? For the and first period. Really first period. Enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. She said she really enjoyed it. Oh, good. 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 <laughs> is she going to uh, come back to depth and practice again? He is, as a matter of fact, that's one of the things she mentioned that she oh, is going. To, she doesn't know when. Um, it's she is still having repairs done on her house, and between doing that and walking Jizo a lot, she by the end of the day she is exhausted. Um, so I think it just depends on when she can build up her stamina after the move. <laughs> Yes, it's a lot. It's a lot to get done. Yeah, it is. You know, Nelda. Well, know. but it, and she's got a much more active puppy than my two tiny ten-pound babies. Because when they start yeah. getting, you know, doggy-ish, I just pick them both up, and that's it. <laughs> they don't get to do much else. But when you've got yeah. a doggy this size oh, yeah. of hers, <laughs> yeah. Okay, Louis wants to say hello before Aww. before we end. Hi. Hi, Louie. Hi, Louie. Good to see you, Louie. There's Mr. Kim. There's Gail. There's Nelda. That's Trouty. Donna. Lori. And Nancy. And Kitty. <laughs> yeah, and Kitty. Yeah. <laughs> okay, oh, you say goodbye. Oh, they're not sharp today. There we go. Yeah. Oh, he's so precious. Kim, I have talked to him about those monkeys more than once. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Well, I guess that's, is that it, everybody? Are we yeah. done for the night? Yeah, All thank right. you, Gail. Thank you. Thank you, uh, thank you everybody. everybody. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, Kim, I'll see you Wednesday. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.